Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for The Free, joined by Reiner Sabin, our Big Ten insider, and Andrew Burkle, our editor and producer. Been a little while, a couple weeks here uh, to recharge the batteries. Uh, this is a belated Valentine's Day episode, I guess you could call it. That was Valentine's Day was yesterday. I've actually met both of your significant others, Cookie and JG. He used to work uh, with Jordan's fiance, actually, in Lansing. Both both fine women in their own right. So I hope you, you took care of them. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you, Reiner? I did. I did. I made a uh, pretty good risotto dish for, for dinner. So, oh, boy. Uh, that was a uh, nice scallop risotto. Uh medley salad yeah 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 so took care of took care of that she was she was satisfied (laughs) excellent excellent andrew uh yeah so i have the the blessing and the curse of uh it also being my fiance's birthday on uh, valentine's day so double pressure but you get to dock them both out on the same day which is kind of nice so Hopefully she doesn't hear that. And we're going to go. We went to the English Inn. It's a place over in uh, just kind of the greater Lansing area. It was awesome. Had a good time. So went really well. Love it. Love it. Hopefully uh, this show can go uh, as well as uh, all everybody's night hopefully did. Uh, and with that, just a reminder, we'll do this on the front end. Uh Let's try to rate, review, and subscribe if you can uh, to wherever uh, you get uh, these podcasts. We, In case you are watching the visual medium, you can see we have headphones now. We have microphones. Uh, We're we're ramping this thing up a little bit here. And not that, uh, I mean, obviously, football season was uh, was kind of the bread and butter. Pretty decent season. I think we're all very glad that that we uh, made the decision to have a podcast. But it was really a work in progress throughout the spring and summer uh, and getting into the fall. So we kind of had to hit the ground running. Now I think that things have slowed down. We'll maybe find a rhythm a little bit. I don't know why I'm taking everybody behind the scenes, but but there you go. I guess that's sort of why we haven't been around the last couple of weeks, just breathing. So Reiner, today the show is five prevailing Michigan football thoughts. And then after the break, we'll talk hoops because football it's it's been a weird combination of busy and not busy. Would you would you say uh, during this Jerome Moore era? Yeah, I would I would say that's true. I mean, there's there's some activity obviously on the coaching end, but uh, I mean things are kind of quiet elsewhere. I mean, yeah, not so much with the transfer portal and and certainly with recruiting. Recruiting seems pretty dead right now uh, from Michigan standpoint. So yeah, it's been pretty pretty quiet. It's been a, a weird uh, transition from the the national championship to this uh, new era. Yeah, it's just it's. It felt like they won a national championship for all of like 14 or 15 days, right? And then it's just I mean I mean I mean you're you're really retooling this thing and hopefully I mean that doesn't mean like it felt like that for the fans, right? Like fans, I hopefully you're still in No, I I, I, mean, I I think the fans I, are uh on on edge and in feeling anxious just reading from the message boards. I mean, tend, those tend to be the most passionate, but I mean they're also the ones that yeah. have the the temperature of the room. Uh, and so they, uh, they they seem to be very on edge about the future of Michigan football. Well, the fans who are super, super plugged in, and I guess maybe that's who's listening to this podcast. We appreciate it. And uh, maybe think a little more along the lines of how you and I see things, right? It's mm-hmm. always like, okay, that's good, but there is a next, right? Yeah. There, there mm-hmm. is always next yeah. uh, in, in, in this day and age. However, 
Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, let's say even <laughs> we're, we're going to get into the, our five prevailing thoughts, but let's say that Jim Harbaugh had even stayed, right? Uh, I don't think Michigan football was winning another national championship this year. I mean, I mean, it's, it was just not in the nature of where the, where the rosters, there was so much turnover. There was going to need to be a little bit of rebuild. I mean, I think expectations would, there would just be more hope, more optimism and a ton of belief, obviously, because they've been running through everybody. However, last year was the year they had everybody return and they, they nailed it. They hit their shot. So there was always going to be a little bit of a reset. So I think, don't you think that's important to keep in mind? I, I, I agree. I do think having talked to somebody uh, on staff there uh, that it sounds like they weren't very concentrated on the future at all, knowing that this was a possibility that Harbaugh was leaving because they they pretty much admitted that they kind of neglected the transfer portal. And I think if that if Jim Harbaugh knew he was coming back, that they would have been a little bit more active in the portal like they were the previous year when they got, you know, seven guys or so uh, that were pretty valuable contributors to to Michigan this past season. So I think they would have been a lot more active in the portal uh, had Jim Harbaugh been been staying. So I, I don't did, know if I necessarily agree with say, that. Did this person say why they why why that would affect? It them? was just because they were focused on the champion. They were focused on trying to win the championship. I mean, it was the media goals were uh, the priority. And you know, with that that the portal opens December fourth, yeah. early signing period is December twentieth, and you're trying to prepare for a college football playoff game uh, against Alabama in the Rose Bowl, and you haven't won that college football playoff semifinal. I kind of understand why the priority was that, especially if you're not considering the fact that you're going to be around beyond the season. I mean, if the, if the that was right, the mindset. Right. So, oh, so you're saying, I see, I see. So Jim is obviously going and in, in, in the stat right there. So the, they're still focused on the here and now. And of course, and certainly yeah. after they had let the one slip away from the year before. And I mean, we talked with Jesse Minter and different guys who talk about how busy that time is, right? And you're balancing recruiting and portal and uh, and the future and, and, and the present. But I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, it does look like they went uh, now. How worth it was it, right? I mean, you got the title forever, but what 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 comes after it? So um, we we talk about so many uh, thought different thoughts and uh, happenings that that have occurred in in these last few weeks. Um, but as we were ranking, uh, really everything that has gone down in in this in this very quick Sharon Moore uh, post championship era, I think we both agreed that. The number one thing that happened, Reiner, was mm. the, the the turnover of the staff. Sure. Uh, I sure. mean, you could use maybe more more aggressive words like the pillaging of of the of the staff um, that uh, that Jim Harbaugh took with him to Los Angeles, right? So, I mean, just to just to run through it, I know a lot of people sort of know it, but you got defensive coordinator Jesse Minner, you got defensive line coach Mike Elston, you got strength and conditioning coach. Ben Herbert, Herbert. Mm-hmm. you have defensive backs coach Steve Klinkscale, uh, Rick Minter, uh, because Jesse Minter left, uh, ha- has also uh, gone with them. He's a defensive analyst. Dylan Roney, who uh, was a graduate assistant who worked with the Edges uh, and, and really, I think, was uh, was pretty key uh, in, in Elston's yeah. room, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's gone um, as an analyst uh, as well out there. Um, and so... And then Jay Harbaugh and, and went the, to the Seahawks. Jay, Har- Jay Harbaugh, mm-hmm. who 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 would have gone to uh, to Los Angeles as well. Like I think people because he ended in Seattle. Um, I mean, 
Yeah, he had he had his own. There was a, there were circumstances that that led him there that they don't need to get discussed. But uh, but but J- the point is, like Jim Harbaugh wanted to take him too, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I mean, I mean, I I I find it I found it pretty shocking the the level uh, of of people who who he took. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think uh, he feels that he was the one who built this staff. Uh, he was the one who kind of, uh, again, turned over the program uh, before the 2021 season, adding a bunch of 30-something assistants. And so they were his guys. And so he felt like they gave him the best shot to win. And that's all he cares about. I mean, Jim Harbaugh cares about winning football games, winning football games for whatever team that he's affiliated with at that moment. He doesn't really care about any other team other than the one he's coaching. And so uh, that's how he looks at things. That's, that's his, he's very, uh, you know, one, one track mind, you know, to use a term that he <laughs> likes to use. Uh, uh, and that's just the way he is. And so I don't think he had any compunction about taking any of those guys with him uh, and leaving Sharon Moore kind of holding the bag, I guess, or, or just kind of, uh, out on a limb right there. I mean, you know, we're a 38 year old, 37, 38 year old guy uh, who's never been a head coach has to build his own staff. And so it's a, it's a tough task for Sharon Moore, but Jim Harbaugh, you know, is focused on winning a Super Bowl, And he thinks that those guys are the, are the key to helping him achieve that goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, Jim Harbaugh didn't think twice about it. Certainly. And if you think about Sharon Moore with not just how young he is, right. But his, time in his come up is under Jim Harbaugh's staff essentially right and so a lot of the guys who he would even want to keep around have been taken and exactly. he doesn't have like we're going to get into uh all the Harbaugh connections and the tree that is still here right he doesn't have a dad who was involved in it and a brother who's involved in the NFL for decades right who's just going to hand you pipelines of coaches it's not the same thing um uh he he, he just he he didn't have it and uh, I mean, and Reiner, you said. I mean, you went out there to to Los Angeles, right? For yeah. uh, for, mm. for his presser there, and uh, yeah, sort of, sort of asked sort of asked him about it. Yeah, and he 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 said that uh, he felt that the program was in a in a great place, like top five level team coming back. I, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. I mean, given the fact that they've lost so much on offense. I mean, you have 18 players that were invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, that's indicative of what talent has left the building. Uh, now they have a lot of defensive talent still back, but, uh, over time, the depth is reduced. I mean, where those frontline players, uh, that, uh, were there are not supported by the key backups that some of them are going to be stepping into the fold, uh, this year for, for Michigan. And so over time that ends up, uh, having a cumulative effect on the team and so and the programs and i'm curious to see how that plays out over not just the next 12 months but the next 24 months and to see where michigan is by the end of 2025 right right the depth is so key right i mean you talk about the rally group on the defensive line right i mean offensive line six guys getting drafted when you lose an all-american plug and play i mean it's this doesn't just happen like time and time again. You really got to continue to uh, to establish that depth. But just to wrap up the thought on uh, on the coaching staff, uh, 
we we asked Ward, you asked Ward Manuel about it yesterday, and uh, he said it was, frankly, I guess, somewhat expected. Here, take a listen. I knew it was a possibility. Uh, I think it was, was that Rainer who asked the question. Yes, yes. Um, I knew it was a possibility, Rainer, that you know Jim would uh, want to talk to the, uh, some staff about going there, and, and obviously he did, and they made a decision. Uh, and you know, as I have with Jim, I, I've never you know gotten mad at people having an opportunity and, and making a decision. I know some of them were already being talked to, Rainer, before Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, select was selected for uh, the head coach at the Chargers, and so uh, these are decisions that that people make, and it, it happens over time. And it gives Sharon an opportunity to uh, rebuild the staff, particularly on the defensive side, in in the way that he wants. And uh, we, I feel good about the people that he is bringing on. All right. So for what it's worth. Uh, Board manual was not completely blindsided by this. Uh, however, it's still quite quite the turnover. Um, so, so thought number two, Reiner, uh, is uh, the staff has started getting filled out. Uh, and I, <laughs> I think it's safe to say the headliner is uh, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. He's uh, coming from the Giants. Uh, however, he's been in the NFL for 15 plus years. I would say most notably with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and he was uh, sort of the protege uh, of Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter. They both were under him when he was DC in Baltimore. It's uh, so now Michigan will is through on its third former Baltimore staffer from the 2020 staff uh, who is a defensive coordinator. But this might be a little different, right? Than than just McDonald and and, and Minter, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think Wink Martindale is a little different uh, egg than uh, those two. I mean, the fact that uh, he's one, he's 60 years old. Those guys were in their 30s. Uh, well, Minter, I think, was just turned 40, actually. But um, the uh, nevertheless, I mean, they're of the same age, millennials, uh, whereas uh, Wink Martindale is more like a baby boomer type. Um, and he's also, again, a person who has been around the block for a while comes kind of almost from those, the Ryan brother philosophy or buddy Ryan philosophy, where you just blitz blitz and attack the quarterback uh, at all costs uh, loves cover one, uh, you know, zero coverage. If he can, if he can, uh, you know, pull that off. I mean, we're, it's just straight man and, uh, you're just attacking at will, but that's not what. Doesn't that Michigan... sound like a defensive coordinator that they had kind of recently, right? That yeah, I yeah, heard that worked was... against worked against everyone until you got to the elite talent. Exactly, exactly, and that's the problem. I was talking to somebody who is kind of familiar with what's going on in the NFL right now. The NFL loves to play too high uh, safeties uh, shell coverage, and what they want to do is prevent deep passes and they don't want guys taking the top off the defense, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's, those types. Uh, and they want them to work down the field. That's the general philosophy that's being employed. That's what was initially kind of what they wanted to do in Baltimore. Although Wink Martindale again was kind of stuck in his ways. And I think was 
wanting to continue more of the man and blitzing. But uh, the way that the Baltimore Ravens defense evolved into is a sign of what I just alluded to, where they actually run a lot of simulated pressures, which is what you saw with Michigan. Michigan was basically Baltimore uh, oh, yeah. college version, and it, they were running a lot of more zone coverage, which you know has also become more favorable in in uh, the NFL. And I think also the um, uh, multiple front. the fact. Yeah, multiple fronts. And I think, you know, again, the simulated pressures where it looks like you're blitzing, but you're really only sending four and you're dropping one dude back in coverage. And it's uh, it's a little bit more safe from uh, from a whole schematic standpoint of being able to defend a quarterback who can run and pass. And so uh, I think that that's that's what Jesse Minter was trying to do. And if you look, Jesse Minter and Michigan only blitzed on 22.9% of the dropbacks last year. Uh, the Giants under Wink Martindale blitzed 45% of all dropbacks, which was, which, was sec- which was second in the NFL. And so – and he runs a lot more man, and Michigan has gradually shifted away from, again, the man coverage of Don Brown to predominantly zone where they're playing twice as much zone as man. So it's, it's a lot different than what Wink Martindale is generally run. And so I'm kind of curious to see how this transition works. Yeah. I was listening to uh, everybody's favorite brothers, uh, the Kelsey brothers a couple of weeks ago during the season. And they were talking about uh, Jason specifically, obviously he's the center. So he's kind of like the quarterback of the offensive line. And he was talking about how, much of a nightmare it is to go against Martindale for uh, at least for an offensive line for them, because every single time it's some type of confusing blitz, either it's constant blitzes it's, you know, they back off. Uh, It was just interesting to kind of hear him uh, discuss like from a center's point of view, what it's like facing Martindale and how much more prep does go into that. But I think, like you said, Tony, there is some comparisons to that when you're talking about Michigan's past (laughs) defensive coordinator as well. So it just feels kind of like an, 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 a, a little bit of a, a, a square peg into a round hole, but I mean, but uh, like he does have credibility there for, there's no doubt well, about it. That's why I want to chime in. That's an awesome note. That was an awesome note, Andrew. And I mean, I think what, what, when I hear that, that makes me think, man, if he can't, maybe there's a little square peg round hole. However, if he can say he can toe that line, right. Of using the Baltimore base with a more aggressive Somehow, and even confusing, like I don't, like Michigan's defense can't get better than it was, right? Like he was already the best in the nation. Um, but you could make, I mean, if Jason Kelsey, a first ballot Hall of Fame all pro center, is talking about how confusing these fronts are, think about the, the, the complexities and, and the, and the uh, issues that would raise for college level linemen. So that, that's, that's my main thought there. And then, and then one more, uh, I mean, the amount of, ties here uh between wink martindale still and uh and sort of the harbaugh family is 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 pretty amazing so uh so john harbaugh was on uh rick minter's staff uh with wink martindale uh in cincinnati from 96 to 98 and then wink was on staff under jack harbaugh at western kentucky from 2000 to 2003. And I don't have it up. I think that was the last time. Was that the last time he was in college football? Brian? No, Cincinnati. Which one? No, Western. Yeah, Western, no, Western Kentucky. Kentucky was, yeah, right? it was the last one. Yeah, Cincinnati was the last FBS, co- FBS. Uh, program that he worked at. So, yes. Uh, but, yes, that was the last uh, time he was in college. It was 2003. Right. 
So, I mean, it's a lot of changes. So just, but but it's just, it's ironic how even though those are a lot of Harbaugh ties, that Sharon Moore still able to to t- tap into that and uh, and get and get the job done. Um, yeah, I I do think I mean it's interesting because Mar- Martindale's got a very strong personality. It'll be interesting yep. to see how he uh, coexists with Sharon Moore because. I mean, if Sharon Moore is okay with Wink Martindale just running the defensive side, it, it probably could work in that sense. I do wonder if, you know, again, I mean, part of the rumors out of New York was the fact that uh, it almost was like, uh, sorry, excuse me, that Wink, Wink Martindale was trying to create a uh, uh, kind of his own little fiefdom <laughs> within, uh, within, the, uh, within the coaching staff. And that, you know, they were trying to kind of create their own little corner of the uh, of the program. So I, I think uh, eventually, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the actual relationship dynamics play out on staff. Because, again, the other thing that, you know, is noteworthy is the fact that, you know, Harbaugh wanted to get younger when he made the staff in 2021. He, he recognized that there was uh, he was getting a little bit long in the tooth himself. You know, maybe can't connect with the players quite the same way, change some things about himself. Well, Sharon has got the opposite problem. Exactly. I mean, he has no experience uh, as a head coach, uh, needs somebody who kind of wants to run the defense or knows how to run a defense by himself, uh, which is why he brought in Wink Martindale. I think that's why he passed on Mike Elston and Steve Klinkscale as possible defensive coordinator options. Could be. Uh, could be. It's a, it is a good point that they need completely inverted, uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. assistant from the staff, yeah. right? Uh, sure. Uh, and so, all right, we all, we all set with that microphone over there. Yeah, Hang yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. <I> just, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One last funny note about Win, uh, Wink Martindale, dude. The dude is only sixty. He's like Jim Harbaugh's age, but you look at him, you think you're like he he looks like he might be older than that. He's been around forever, and Harbaugh looks younger than he is. Um, but they're like basically the same age, which is kind of funny to think about. It is. It is. Yeah, no, they are. They are the same age. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is weird. Yeah, I don't yeah. I have any comments about Wink the, uh, until we've met. I'm sure, he's a wonderful <laughs> man. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get on his good nice, side. So. A nice spry gentleman who looks yeah. much younger. <laughs> Exactly. He's a handsome devil. I'm sure he's, I mean, just a wonderful uh, father and everything. Um, okay, but moving on. Number three, uh, I had some concerns there about Reiner's microphone. Um, and Michigan has some concerns about quarterback. Uh, is a weak transition, but the best I had right then. Um, I, I don't know if uh, if Michigan's quarterback is on this roster right now, Reiner. Uh, the favorite quote-unquote, if you could call him that in the clubhouse, would be Alex Orgy. Uh, there's also Jaden Denegal. Uh, I talked to Davis Warren uh, a couple weeks ago at the hospital, and uh, he told me that he he's coming back. And if this was the day before JJ announced or a couple days before, and uh, he said, uh, for what it's worth, he actually had not even been told yet. And uh, he said if he, if he doesn't come back, then he hopes he'll compete to be the starter. And if he did come back, then – he hopes to compete to be the backup. So, uh, but anyways, no matter whom it is, uh, there's not, there's, there's no, almost literally no starting quarterback experience. Yeah, and I, I don't know if 
Orgy is the guy. I mean, he doesn't really throw the ball very much or hasn't uh, when he's been inserted into games, and he's been primarily a running quarterback. And, I mean, to go from somebody like J.J. McCarthy, who's looked at as a you know potential first-round draft pick at quarterback uh, in the NFL where <laughs> clearly they want you to pass the ball to go into somebody like Alex Orgy where, you know, he's used as a as a run threat uh, to kind of offset J.J. McCarthy and give him a give him a blow here, you know, uh, is a little bit uh, concerning from Michigan standpoint that that might be the best option. So, um, you know, I I think, uh, you know, the question is, is, you know, will they expedite the development of or uh, of Jaden Davis? I mean, you know, I wonder if that's that's a possibility. I mean, he was a pretty highly touted recruit. you know, coming into the program, you know, but yeah, that's not been their standard MO, but again, it's, it's a new staff. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know if Jerome Moore has the same hesitancy as Jim Harbaugh does about playing a freshman quarterback. Uh, he might not, he may be, you know, again, the game is evolving to where college football, uh, you know, your freshman quarterback, your, uh, early enrollee kind of guy, goes in and plays immediately. Um, and so it's, it, it's where that, has that where has there been success with that, right? I well, mean, I mean Trevor Lawrence, I mean, was a perfect example of that. I mean the, I mean <laughs> Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is also another example of that. Jalen Hurts played his freshman year. He was a true freshman. I mean again, some some guys who had old ways of thinking about that evolved. And I mean you have to and I talked are, to I, I talked to a scout a long time ago, like a you know, guys actually high up in NFL personnel circles. And he was talking about there's a reason why they want to get these guys on the field early is because and this was before the portal and everything. But so that it may have changed. But uh, the idea was to get them on the field because you're only going to get three years at most if they're really good, you know, because they're going to go to the draft early. So, I mean, delaying their their time there is probably not not going to not, not going to totally. work out. So you might as well get him on the field quickly. So I don't know if Jaden Davis is that type of player. If he is, then it might from be what I, from what I've from, been told. From what mm-hmm. I've been told, uh, and, and that's why I'm saying it. Uh, I mean, can't are are there circumstances? Sure, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. I mean, these are like elite five-star number one quarterback. Jaden Davis is great. He was an elite eleven guy. He was a four-star borderline five-star guy. Um, Reiner, next time I will convince you to come to practice with me when we get to go to the yeah. to the practices at the bowl games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his the it's a it is an incredibly long release. It is a it is a very wonky motion. Uh, I, I I don't want to say I, I talked to someone on staff uh, who who called it a an off season project, uh, and that doesn't exactly scream. Uh, you're going to be starting for the defending national champion to me. Um, I mean, he's tremendously talented. This is not, he, I mean, I've, I've talked to him a couple times. Uh, it was actually funny. Um, after the national championship ceremony, uh, if you remember at Chrysler, uh, at the end of it, uh, the, st- the the security kind of lost a little bit of cabin pressure, right? Like there was a lot of people on the court sort of waiting for the players to, to get down from the stanchion, like begging for J.J. McCarthy's autographs and stuff uh, and, and just all the different players. And then you got Jaden Davis just sort of moseying around, right? And mm-hmm. I, 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 like, I just made a comment to him. I was like, 
are you enjoying like your final moments of anonymity, right? Like, and like, it won't be like this for long uh, because people mm-hmm. are, are, are waiting on him. And so he's, I mean, he, he was a nice kid. Like hopefully he does very well. I just don't think I, I would be very surprised if he um, is the, is the front runner for that. And then that would lead to maybe a transfer in the spring. That's sort of the next window. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> been wrong been wrong before could, could this very well maybe another one of those times but uh obviously if you lose a top 10 quarterback like top 10 potential draft pick like jj mccarthy maybe i mean jim harbaugh called him the best quarterback michigan's had i mean it took so long for michigan to find that guy right like it's it had been the shay patterson's and the Cade mcnamara's and the the joe milton's and we can go on and on it, yeah, it, it, might, it might be again. It might be an easier sale, sales job for them in the spring with trying to get a transfer. If again McCarthy is picked high, you know, um, you know, I, 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 they can they can maybe sell sell Michigan a lot better than right now. I think from an offensive standpoint, because again, still as a quarterback, yeah, you, you're a little bit going in with some skepticism about how the offense is run. Yeah, yeah, no, you are, you are, and that's. JJ McCarthy is special in so many in, in a number of ways, not just talent, right? But a lot of guys like that want to be the guy. I mean, he was okay throwing the ball fifteen times again, eight times at Penn State, right? Right. He re- he really was, and like a lot of people uh, who uh, like like you have especially if you have who, one year, if you have one year to really make a difference. I mean, and try to get your NFL stock up. Is this the offense for you? I mean, that's the question that Michigan has to resolve yeah. and also settle for some of these prospects that they may, you know, transfer prospects that they may be courting uh, in the spring. And so I think that's that's something that they need to discuss. They, they do. Uh, and I mean, I guess speaking of transfers and, and recruiting, right? Thought number four. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on that front since Sharon Moore took over. Now the transfer portal is closed uh, until until April, and we touched on it a little bit earlier. We think I think Michigan was just sort of you made a great point putting their eggs in the national championship basket. Good news, it hatched. Bad news, there's no eggs in the in the recruiting basket, and that's how you end up with I guess just the two transfers right now. Uh, Jayshon Barnum Barham, excuse me, uh, the linebacker from Maryland, and uh, Josh Preeb. Uh, the the offensive lineman from Northwestern, Northwestern. <laughs> and so maybe they had a lot in, in April again. It's it's but it's it's interesting that at least at the high school level, right, Reiner? I think that was another one of your points that there hasn't been a time. I mean, there was the AD commitment, Jalen Smith, yeah, um, his top top three hundred guy, but not been. From my thought, this could cut both ways, right? Like, I mean, I I could see you could see a flood of people decommitting, and you haven't seen that, but you also have not seen a, a, any any commitments coming in, right? So I, I don't know. Is it good they're not losing people, or worrisome they're not adding people? I think it's somewhat worrisome in the weird sense that again, you win a national championship, you expect a recruiting bump, and there's been no recruiting bump whatsoever. I mean, they only have three. Uh, commits for the 2025 class, and they're all three-star players. Ohio State has eight, and two of them are five stars. And Notre Dame has 15 commitments already, um, and you know they, they're not coming off any kind of great season themselves. And so, I mean, Michigan, you think would get some kind of bump after winning a national championship, uh, and so far that has not happened. Well, you would. I mean, I guess you would. Think so, of course, because I mean, national championships, everyone wants to go join. But I think, I mean, 
people see what we see as well, right? This is not just the typical, this is not Georgia winning a national championship. This is not Bama Clemson where it's like, all right, we have ascended. We are now at the mountaintop. Like we're going to live up here, right? I think it's more like they climbed it and now where do they sort of stand? Um, And so maybe there's a little bit of hesitancy. And plus Michigan has not been, a recruiting powerhouse, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, they just haven't. They they fall in that sort of mid-teen range pretty consistently with their classes. You got the, your best recruiter, uh, Steve Klinkscale, on the way out now. Uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of turnover that it never helps. Uh, as we've said, when you're it, well, I guess it doesn't never help, but it, it takes away from how much emphasis you can put on the recruiting trail when you're practicing into the first week of January, right? And so. I'm, I'm trying to come up with reasons why, right? The, and, and maybe why it's not the end of the world, but. I mean, again, again, the program has shown that it can develop guys, but that was obviously under a different regime with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, that's, that, that's a lot to, to bank on, especially given some of the circumstances that uh, were afforded Jim Harbaugh that will not be necessarily available to Sharon Moore, i.e. the COVID year, uh, you know, benefit, uh, those, or an eight or an 18 team, big 10. Yeah, exactly. And then also the, yeah, right. And, uh, especially with those teams being able to sell the big 10 to, uh, the prospects that they're recruiting too. And so they will be in the same market as, as Michigan, uh, whereas maybe they weren't before, or people were not as interested in going to their school as much. Uh, whereas now you can sell that to a Midwest kid that, hey, you can play at Oregon and still come back and see your family, you know, several times a year possibly. Uh, and so it's uh, it's a question of whether, uh, you know, Michigan uh, under, you know, Sharon Moore could get this thing kind of going from a recruiting perspective um, you know, he's, he's kind of up against it a little bit again, given the fact that he hired Wink Martindale, <laughs> who hasn't coached in college football since 2003. Now the defensive coordinator or coordinator generally does not do as much recruiting as obviously the position coaches, but there's still a factor and you would still hope that they would have some kind of interest or connections, uh, at the high school level that would, uh, help facilitate Michigan being able to add good recruits and you you know wink knows that 2375 corridor right <laughs> right isn't that where exactly. that's where yeah. uh, i mean he, uh wink, the trucking uh, yeah yes he he, uh, after he graduated from defiance college yeah. uh, in the set in the late 70s i think early 80s late 70s yes. um he uh, uh he <laughs> started his career as a trucker going from ohio uh to i think to detroit and michigan and back and like to dayton and so he would uh he's familiar with the with our crap roads that, uh, that that we have around here that are no better than they were uh, in 1981. But you but you talk about, uh, the, I guess, uh, thought number five, Reiner, uh, you're talking about selling uh, these recruits uh, and, and the transfers and, and, and the battle. Um, essentially, that's half the battle is NIL, right? And so thought number five is NIL, uh, which uh, is sort of what, what we spoke uh, <laughs> at nauseum with Ward Manual and company about yesterday. Uh, their uh, their latest uh, development, um, which I think actually is uh, they've they've partnered with Altius Sports, so Michigan and Learfield partnering with Altius Sports uh, as what they call a sort of a three pronged attack uh, in their NIL 
efforts uh, in the commercial sort of multimedia space. Uh, as it were. And um, again, this is not going to be inducements. Uh, Ward Manual is one of his favorite words. They are not paying players to come. Um, but this really feels the word that, that was used, uh, that they used, uh, Ward used was alignment. Uh, a year ago when I did a story, I spoke to a regent, Jordan Acker. He told me how important alignment was from the top down mm-hmm. in, in, in getting NIL yeah. uh, situated. Uh, even from from the president to the board of regents to to the ad to the coaches, uh, and 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 Michigan took a lot of jabs for sort of being on the later end right of of nil, but uh, it seemed as if they wanted to make sure they knew what they were doing, and that is this, and it is sort of a a lifelong nil pitch, right? Like when you come to Michigan, we will teach you how to brand yourself for your career. Uh, wherever that may be. And they're still going to be working through their collectives and all those different things. But these uh, sports agencies, I don't know, I, that's probably not exactly the right word. Uh, these <laughs> sports entities uh, are, are, are going to uh, facilitate that. Um, did I explain that correctly, Reiner? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, I think this is a, a rebuttal in some ways by Ward Manual to the fans. And that's why I think they spend an hour wanting to talk to the media about this uh yeah and (laughs) to uh express that michigan is being proactive in the nil space uh that they are trying to uh you know be competitive with the other major programs when it comes to nil i hiring this executive director position to oversee uh, Michigan NIL essentially. And, uh, I, I mean, I think it's obviously kind of just, uh, you know, the, in some ways they were paying lip service again to the, to the fans and trying to, to show that Michigan, uh, is, uh, going to be, uh, a player, uh, when it comes to NIL. And I mean, they really have been, I mean, again, they, they the, the retention rate at Michigan, the last three years, whether you want to say it's due to winning or NIL or whatever, Tremendous. has been incredibly good. And before that, it was terrible. I mean, they were losing guys left and right to the portal. Uh, the culture was bad, whatever. They, you know, whether it's, you know, people feel like they're getting compensated now, but, uh, you know, again, Michigan's strategy generally has been focused on retention, not, you know, uh, procurement of players uh, uh, through NIL. And so, uh, it's seems like it's a, it's a good strategy in some ways to pay the people that have actually produced uh, the not. So I, I can't argue with that. I, I do wonder, like, again, how uh, much they're really willing to kind of go uh, to the lengths that some of these other programs may be willing to do. I mean, as that, far as that to me. Sorry, that to me was what was what this was about, right? I mean, what has this offseason, what has headline after headline been about this offseason? Ohio State throws yeah. another bag at a five-star. Ohio State yeah. gets Caleb Downs. Ohio State gets yeah. uh, the the quarterback. Uh, Julian Sayan. Julian Sayan, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean t- guy and guy and guy and guy. And, well, Ohio Judkins. State gets Chip Kelly to yeah. cut, right? I mean, and everything Michigan has always done has been compared through the Ohio State lens. You have to respond. Like Ohio State, that was their response to your national championship. You need to show um, 
I, I tweeted this line out earlier. Real G's moving silence like lasagna. That might be the best rap line of all time. But like, you don't want to be moving in silence like a G right now. You want to be making loud moves and letting people know uh, that, that that you are still moving and shaking. And uh, Sally Fult, uh, the the VP at Le- Learfield of uh, of uh, of NIL uh, opportunities. Uh, said yesterday that Michigan is top five in deal making, like in the NIL space of the 102 universities who they represent. So Michigan is still a player and mover and shaker in that space, even if it's not glitz and glamour and flash like you see at Ohio State or AM or fill in the Texas oil bag money school. Yeah, I mean, again, I think Michigan's always going to be somewhat of a player. I mean, they're a national brand. And so uh, that's not really surprising. I, I do think that again, Michigan's been somewhat hesitant to jump into this space. They've been very uh, deliberate in their action so far. I mean, even this, you know, position. I mean, it's probably late to the party. I mean, in partnering with Altia, I mean, there's 40 to 50 schools, including a, a bunch in the Big Ten, that have already partnered with this specific uh, agency or whatever, uh, uh, and so. It's not like a uh, um, some novel thing than some innovative thing that they're doing necessarily. I mean, it's it's uh, seems like it's kind of par for the course in this this day and age. They're essentially consultants, right? Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. like you hire. They are not going to tell you what to do, but they come exactly. on. They run all the background and they say, "We really recommend you do X, Y, Z." This is right. what they say. I mean, what what um, what Casey Schwab, uh, who's the CEO, uh, was telling us was, they, I mean, I mean, they have to keep, uh, they can't give numbers or privacy rights or any of those things. But they could say, here is what the most aggressive exactly. people in this space mm-hmm. are doing. Here is what the most conservative people in this space are doing. This is what this roadmap sort of looks like right now. And it was really interesting to hear from those people. Like, I, I know we were texting and it's like, do we need an hour of this? But, but as, as much as we were joking about that, it was interesting to hear from the people in the space about just everybody feels like they're behind, right? Like there is no, like, it's just a dog constantly chasing its tail because it is so uncertain. There is no, like, as soon as you're cutting edge, you're not. And as soon as you're behind, it was just, um, I, I thought I thought that was all interesting. So, any final mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Reiner? No, I, I mean, I, again, I think it's pretty pretty cut and dried. I mean, again, they're they're trying to show that they're uh, they're being active in this this area, which again is not surprising given the fact that it's kind of the basis of everything nowadays in college sports, uh, especially when it comes to uh, recruiting and talent retention. Yep. Yes. Ward Manuel, uh, front and center, uh, speaking to us for the third time since January 1st or since January 9th was yeah. the national championship. So three times in uh, in 50 days uh, at the Natty, at Sharon Moore's presser and uh, and now talking about NIL. However, he did stay on for for a couple extra minutes uh, and, and, and let us ask a, a few more questions. That's what we where we will take it after this break. Um, it's about hoops, the future. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll get into that next. This is Hail Yes. All right. Meant to do this off the top, but we just kind of had so much fun with the intro. We've never even really teased that. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball to talk, but well, I mean... 
at a certain point, what is there to say? Eight and 17, three and 11, last place in the Big Ten. Uh, we just talked about it on the last pod. Since then, I think they're one and five. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they have lost. Their at last eight losses have come by uh, eight, uh, by double digits. So uh, it, it's all not good. Um, that, that the reason I bring that up is uh, at Sharon Moore's press conference, we I, I asked Ward Manuel about uh, about Juwan and about uh, just his thoughts, where the season's at, and he really talked about how he really does not make decisions in like in the middle of the year. It's got to be very rare. I think he he fired uh, I can't remember what football Paul Pascaloni from UConn in like 2013. Um, after an 0-4 start, but I think that's about it as far as big in-season uh, for like basketball, football moves that he's made. Um, and talked to him again yesterday, and I was just yesterday being Wednesday, and just wanted to double-check if that was still the case and, and where everything stood. So here is Ward Manuel uh, talking about Juwan Howard. Juwan and I have talked, yes. Um, and... Uh... You know, we'll continue to have those conversations as the season goes through, and I'll continue to support uh, him in the effort to uh, turn this around and win like he expects to win. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's no there's no lack of effort from our student-athletes or our coaches, um, and it's a lack of execution at times, and, and we have to be uh, better. He knows that, they know that, and the expectations are high, but I will continue to have the conversations with him uh, and we'll continue to support him uh, in our program, uh, and continue to to be there for. Him. I mean, it's 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 difficult. None of these uh, student athletes or coaches or staff uh, they're working to win, uh, and when it doesn't happen, there's no bigger disappointment uh, than they have uh, in the in the results or the lack of results on the success of winning. And so um, they will continue to get my support and we'll continue to have conversations and work through it. Right. Would it be fair to say your, your plan is to bring him back or you, you haven't made a decision? It would be fair to say I have not really thought about any changes in, in our men's basketball program at this time. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I guess I can't say it any clearer. I, I want to support Juwan to be successful and have not uh, given any moment of thought of anything about changes at this time. And so my support is of him, of our student athletes and our staff. All right, Reiner, uh, you were there yesterday uh, when he said it. Uh, you heard it there again. Uh, is he just... What is Ward Manuel saying? Re- can you read between the lines? Can you can you uh, read these tea leaves for us? I mean, I think he's uh, trying to, you know, again, emphasize his patience, which is, again, the common theme with uh, how he runs the program. I mean, he's not he's not usually the person who reacts with a hair trigger mentality uh, to anything. So, I mean, everything is kind of. He's, he slow plays it uh, until he's absolute possible last resort. There's no other option. And so that's why I think he's he's approaching it. I also think he wants to lean into the idea of what he did with Jim Harbaugh in 2020 when, you know, he says that fans were clamoring for, uh, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh to be relieved of his duties. And uh, he didn't 
he didn't react in that way and didn't do that. Instead, he came up with the the pay cut. I think he also emphasized to Jim Harbaugh that he needed to probably switch out his defensive coordinator and some staff issues. So I could see maybe that's where uh, the council with Juwan Howard will go and maybe the direction they'll go is maybe that it'll be internal staff uh, maneuvers that will be made at the end of the season instead of probably moving on from Juwan Howard. I also don't think he has it probably in him to probably fire one, his first major hire to a Michigan alum at that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Uh, and just when you talk about back to fo- football uh, and, and the, and the Jim Harbaugh time, uh, Jim came to Ward with a plan after that 2020 season, right? Like Ward was, Ward did not, from what I've been told, Ward did not want to fire him, but there were certain things that he needed to hear. Uh, th- not just, Oh, I'm going to run it back. Oh, uh, I th- I think we're all good. We were, we were a little short here, a little short there. No, this has not worked. What is your plan for change? And Jim did, Jim talked about changing the defensive coordinator. He talked about a renewed emphasis in recruiting. He talked about getting younger on the staff, right? All things you mentioned, all things he did, all things that helped. Could what you say uh, about about uh, Juwan Howard be, be the same uh, in terms – I mean, there has been a ton of staff continuity with Phil Martelli, Saudi Washington, Howard Isley. Um, there has been success there. They've gone to an Elite Eight. They've gone to a Sweet 16. Has it run its course? Um, I mean – who knows? Um, I think one struggle is it's not just uh, it's it's not just on the field where where, where they're losing. Um, the recruiting is not going well. The transfers are not. I mean, we, how, how many times have we said this on 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 this podcast? Right? Uh, they. I, I mean, they they any time they've gotten six top one hundred recruits in in the last in the last two three three cycles. There's only one left, and it's Terrace Reed. So nobody stays around, uh, and then you, I, you they, I mean, they're hamstrung by the by the admissions office, uh, and 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 they are. I, I, w- I was just talking to someone uh, very close to the program the other day who was like, "Look, we're we're not asking anybody to 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 change like the the requirements, but like, can you work with us a little?" And and I, w- I was asking them. Because I, 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 I was just confused about how do you get blindsided by Caleb Love or by Terrence Shannon, right? Like not being able to get in. How is it that you get that far in the process? And, 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 then, you're, and then you're, I guess for lack of a better term, caught with your pants down. Uh, what it is, is these, these portal processes, as it was explained to me, I mean, they move like wildfire, right? Like if you hear a recruit has some interest in your program, you, you, say yes now ask questions later right like you you get you get them in you get them in the door and you and you and you make the relationships and you build the relationships and juan howard just admitted it earlier this week terrence shannon did commit to him and was coming to the university of michigan and then couldn't come uh caleb love did commit to michigan and was coming and then couldn't come and so terrence shannon's still in college basketball and caleb love is one of the leading scorers in the pac 12 so if you are if you're giving all the benefits of the doubt, what does a what does a Michigan roster with Caleb Love and Terrence Shannon look like right now, right? And then maybe does Hunter Dickinson transfer out? I mean, that's a national championship roster. Now that's a lot of if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, whatever it is. I mean, that's a lot of ifs. So it's they're close, but if you keep getting shut out of the of getting transfers in the same way, again to to bring it back to a very long winded response. 
you have to to make a change. And I think they're just I mean, I mean, they're stuck in a, in a rock and a hard place. It feels like. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I just think that uh, as far as they're being stuck in the rock and a hard place, I mean, I, 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 but given the way that Michigan it has operated, the fact that Juwan Howard is an alum, the fact that he's had heart surgery earlier this year, I think all of that goes, is going to factor into how Ward uh, assesses uh, what he's done in the past year. Sure. And what the future, I mean, whether it, you know, it should or shouldn't, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, again, I can see it from both sides. I mean, we're, you know, you, you can't ignore the fact that the guy did have some personal trials that were pretty significant uh, and could have affected his ability to do his job, uh, uh, you know, this year and get the team ready. I mean, again, he wasn't there at the beginning of the season coaching this team. And so that's a, that's the foundational element of your building a team is uh, being there at the beginning and working through the process. I mean, you know, you see teams that over the course they of were the three season, that, that's true. That's true. I mean, again, they were also playing teams like St. John's who were uh, introducing a new coach and who lost to like Pace university. That's still, that's still uh, one of their best wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, St. John. Yeah. Well, I know, but St. John's was coming off a loss to a division two program, yeah. uh, you know, and so it, in, in the exhibition season. And so, I mean, again, you look at where, where Michigan was at the beginning of the season with him being on the sideline or off the sideline or whatever you want to, uh, call it and it's uh it's not it wasn't a good situation to begin with and then and then you add the fact that you know again i i think the loss of hunter dickinson obviously was huge there i mean uh and nobody can argue otherwise but i mean just the idea that even though he created some off the court issues for you i mean it was it was it was a guy that uh was the face of your program and anytime you lose the face of your program it's just a bad look in general. So, I mean, again, there's many different factors in, that you can assess Juwan Howard on, and uh, and it, it makes it, it makes it a tough call. But I can see why you know Ward Manuel will be hesitant to pull the trigger right now because I mean there is some stuff that's indicative of a guy who can coach or at least build an elite program because he has the potential to get big time players into the program. Tony, you briefly touched on this, but I just wanted to ask you more about it. There was kind of uh, a viral moment, at least for college basketball regular season standards, of of Juwan talking about Terrence Shannon and saying, you're welcome uh, at that press conference after the loss to Illinois. Uh, what was going on in that room? Because it was kind of one of those where it was like reading it felt different than I'm sure watching it. Like, what was what was that like? Because I guess I want to see your perspective from in the room. Unfortunately, I was not in that room uh, for one of the because that was uh, that was a road trip. Uh, Talk about a setup question. My bad. Yeah, I know. I know. Nor- <laughs> no, normally I am. Right. So so the reason I mean, but but no worries. Um, the reason I was not is uh, we were under I was maybe going to go help the Lions on the Super Bowl run. Right. And then that was going to run up again. The end of that was going to run up against this Nebraska and Illinois sort of double dip. And then we were debating if we were going to still go out there, frankly, I mean, it's a couple thousand bucks and the team's in last place in the big 10. So uh, I, I really wish uh, I, I could answer that for you, but I, I talked to people who were in the room uh, if that, if that helps. And, uh, and I, and I've been there uh, when, when Jawan has had those, um, semi-awkward uh answers and it's just uh i i get it 
I, I mean, he's, I, I probably wouldn't do something that dissimilar. Right. I mean, it's like, like this was my guy, like, and then you, and then he just body bagged you. Right. Like, I mean, he dropped, he dropped 31 while you just fell behind by 30 points in the big 10 for the second night in a row. You're playing without Doug McDaniel. Uh, your son has the flu. Uh, another wing is out at home for undisclosed reasons. I mean, you're just like Jalen Llewellyn is like a 25 year old point guard playing on one leg. It's like he is literally duct taping this team together at a top 10 Illinois. And then someone starts a question with like, you know, Terrence Shannon pretty well. He's like, well, yeah, no, I did. Um, so I, I, th- I think he was just I think he was just pretty, pretty peeved. And, and plus, I think I've mentioned this before. He knows how many eyes are on him. I don't think Juwan Howard, as a head coach, he he got teed up and kicked out, actually, of the Texas Tech game in the battle for Atlantis before he was actually back. But since he's been back, Juwan Howard has not been teed up one time. And that's during a a 2-14 and 14 stra- or some madness, right? Like, I mean, they've been horrific. Uh and so he like so he is he's really thinking about uh, about about what what he's doing. No, I mean it's an interesting perspective, Tony. I mean, even though like obviously I as I said I set you up for failure there, and I actually did know in the back of my head that that you did not make that trip, so I apologize. Uh, but yeah, it's just like it seems like that's why I think it was like it kind of went viral. Like, of course, the "you're welcome" was kind of like a awkward thing to say, in, in some ways, but at the same time, it felt like you could you could literally feel. The, the pressure and some of the like frustration of all the different stockpiling issues that have gone on. Right. And then it was like, Oh, here's my opportunity to kind of actually get, get my thoughts out there. You know what I mean? That's what it kind of felt like. And that's why I think that people latched onto it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just to, yeah. It was as a coach, you can't make excuses as a coach. You can't make excuses, but when one is like softballed to you, I mean, you're just going to remind, oh, hey, you remember, hey, that guy who dropped 31? Yeah, he should be on my team. I don't know what you want me to do about that. Like, he was. <laughs> I did everything I could do. It was, it is, lit- like, quite literally, it was out of Juwan's hands. So I get it. Um, but you know the situation. So figure it out. In college sports, the the head coach is the head of the program. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they recruit. They go after the transfers. They coach the team. They develop the team. This isn't the NFL. It's not like the you know or the NBA where you're given the players that you that you get right. I mean, there this is you. There aren't the excuses are less valid in college in some ways because you choose those players. You recruit them. You talk to their families. So I think that's why the frustration too is like it does fall on him to some some level. You know. And now you're in year five. So by definition, every single person in the program had your fingerprints on it, right? It was not, it's no longer, oh, wait till he gets his guys in, right? It's, oh no, now his guys are in and it's worse. That's sort of sort of where it's at. Uh, Reiner, final thoughts? Oh, uh, and it's interesting to, you know, to have this conversation in light of what Ohio State did with Chris Holtman. I mean, obviously they moved on from him. I mean, it's been a, you know, kind of a steady drop off for him this last couple of years. I mean, he started off obviously pretty well, but, you know, again, he was seven seasons into, you know, his, uh, his tenure at Ohio state. Uh, I mean, Juwan's what in his fourth season here, uh, it, fifth, fifth season. Okay. And so, um, it's hard to, hard to remember, I guess. With the, the, COVID, the, COVID with the COVID year feels year. like a weird year. Yeah, too. Yeah. The COVID year. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, if this is his, you know, second year missing the NCAA tournament after, you know, the hot start that he had. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a similar progression there. And so, I mean, when does 
does but does Juwan Howard have a little bit more patience here uh, in the sense that uh, again it was his first major hire at Michigan and I think that's a huge you know huge factor in this whole thing. Yeah, my 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 question is, if you are going to continue to run this forward, there has to be belief or faith of the direction and of what's coming next. Uh, Terrence Williams will be gone. Olivier Kamwa will be gone. Uh, Namari Burnett will be gone. Trey Jackson will be gone. I don't know about Doug McDaniel or Terrace Reed and their transfer portal thoughts. Um, you have one recruit coming in. Uh, in currently uh, in Connie Ruth's um, and then George Washington, Will Cheddar. Uh, there's a handful of guys. How do you reconstruct yet again, another D one to like, you see like it is you're constantly chasing and you're just going uphill if with this much turnover and by living through the portal, uh, I mean, but that's every college basketball program pretty it much is. every nowadays. I mean, like, you know, uh, I mean, you, Arkansas changes over their roster every year. I mean, literally every year, it seems like they have like a whole new cast of players. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the only program that doesn't really seem to do that as much as, you know, is Michigan State. State. Yeah, right. And like Tom Izzo's, you know, kind of going against that. But a lot of these programs, I mean, they have like which, which number? Which number tournament are they going to in a row? Is that I mean, 26 now? I mean, it's, you know, presumably they're on track to do that. So, yeah. I mean, I it's mean, just, like, I mean, so but don't, yeah, so I mean, do I, things differently. <laughs> like, find a way. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I mean, I mean you got, it's about culture, but I mean, I, I mean, think Wisconsin, Wisconsin, too, right? Wisconsin just, they just can't. I mean, they're going, they're going through a, through a spell right now. And it's not that you can't. I mean, I'm not saying that Michigan, that Tom is always doing it right. I mean, I think they obviously should have gotten a big in the portal. I think, I think that's got to be the number one storyline in East Lansing. And people are just going bonkers about that. They weren't supplemented in that way, but AJ store at Wisconsin, that's how you do it. You don't, you cannot live in the portal. You have to fill and like supplement in the portal. Uh, And, and, and there is not enough high school recruiting right now. That's where the fall off is. There has been when you get five stars, they're they're leaving too quickly. And when you're, I guess, getting other guys, Yusuf Kayat, where's the? Uh, there's been no development two years in. I mean, I guess Will Will, Ch- Will Cheddar has has developed into a good piece. Doug McDaniel's. Good. I mean, I guess when they're staying around, they're okay. But there's not enough of them. Um, there's you got. I mean, Christian Anderson, who's a sharpshooter in 2025, but he's like five ten or five eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. You need more. <laughs> you need more pieces. Uh, it's. I think you need to marry the two th- philosophies. I think you need to b- develop some guys, you know, some glue guys that are going to be around the program for three or four years and mix them in with some transfers. I mean, I what think that's what, the Eli, the Eli Brooks of the world. And I think that's what Kansas does. I mean, Kansas does. I mean, that's, I mean, they're, they're like a high version of Michigan state in a lot of ways because they not only make the tournament every year, they, you know, advance, they make runs. you know, yeah, they make runs now. I mean, I think, you know, again, I, th- I think that there's, there's some, there has to be some kind of blending of the two ideas of like uh, importing your entire roster year to year uh, versus, you know, obviously recruiting and developing some, some guys that are going to be uh, consistent uh, producers for you over a course of three to four years. It's hard enough to live through the portal. But when you are Michigan's portal and and like you're right. limited to freshmen 
or grad students, that's why you have to go. Like, like in my mind, you have to, instead of 50, 50, it has to be 75, 25, the other way. It just, because you're too limited, because like, right. look what's happened. No gel Eastern. Uh, I mean, love uh, Shannon. I mean, e- even Papa Conte, uh, mm-hmm. an incoming uh, high school recruit. He had to ask out of his NLI and now he's at Pittsburgh. Now he hasn't played, but the point remains. Uh, he, you weren't recruiting other people because you thought you had him. So you, you just, you got to know with, uh, with the admissions requirements. All right. Uh, good work. Good work, boys. Um, lengthy episode, a uh, lot to, lot to unpack, but I think, uh, consider it unpacked um so thanks to everyone who makes this possible our editor-in-chief nicole avery nichols uh executive editor anjanette delgado sports editor kirkland crawford audio engineer robin chan uh producer and editor andrew burkle uh co-host reiner sabin and me tony garcia thanks everybody for listening one more time great review subscribe uh we're gonna try to get back to our weekly wednesday recordings there's no promises but that's the goal so we'll see if we stick to it thanks again this is hail yes